Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We are on the final lesson of this fourth quarter about education. The title of lesson 13 is Heaven, Education, and Eternal Learning. Right. This is some pretty exciting stuff. Um, not that it hasn't been good all along, but I'm particularly excited about this week's because we're going to talk about some very, what I think are fun themes. This yes, is exciting absolutely. stuff. So what are we looking at this week? Give us a little well, overview. Well, I subtitled it The School of the Hereafter. The School of the Hereafter. Of course, the, the lesson actually calls it on Sabbath afternoon, the ultimate graduate school. <laughs> so that's oh. what we're going to be talking about this week. Okay. Um, and uh, perhaps we should have Essentially the idea that learning is going to keep going. Yes, uh, into yes. eternity. Yeah, and and in, increase in quality. I mean, the the oh. The yeah, we don't want to get that, too much into it. Yes. But there's a lot to study, but you're right. We need to start with a word of prayer, and then we'll look at our talking points for yes. the week. So let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity to study your word. Please now help us to be enriched and blessed by this particular topic study. Help us to see that this world is just the beginning of a whole eternal life to come, and there's such not just quantity of life, but quality of learning still to go. Help us to appreciate that more deeply and, and look forward more earnestly to your return. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. What do we have this week as far as okay. the overview talking points? Our overview talking points. First talking point is dealing with eternal life. We're talking about eternity and eternal learning and how eternal life is more about quality than quantity. Now, we're drawing okay. that from Sunday and Monday. We'll get into what that really is getting into. Right. More about quality than quantity. Okay. More about quality than quantity. Number two, talking point number two is that the heavenly curriculum is out of this world. Yes, I did it. <laughs> I made a little pun there. But uh, it is Tuesday and Thursday's lesson that was drawn from. Okay. And then finally, God will finish what he started. Amen. And that's going to be Wednesday, drawn from Wednesday's lesson. So those are our talking points for this week. All right. So let's dive right into that first one. Eternal life is more about quality than quantity. Now that seems... Honestly, Mark, that seems a little bit counterintuitive because you think of the thing that makes eternity different than here That's is right. that it goes on forever. It's all about quantity. But what That's does he right. mean, quality? And, and, and notice it's not that it's not about quantity, but it's more about quality. And here's why that is. First of all, Sunday afternoon's lesson or Sunday's lesson goes into uh, the French writer Blaise Pascal and some of his, his uh, ponderings over life and eternity mm -hmm. and the idea that or rather I should say death, and the idea that my lifespan is very short, mm -hmm. and then I'm dead, and so whatever happens when I die, if there's any kind of afterlife, it's a lot more time than I'm alive. That's a bigger deal than So yeah. I really, it should be a question at least I deal with, and the whole idea is, why don't people think more about what's mm -hmm. going to happen after I die than they do or talk about it when that takes the bulk of time? And in the context of that, of course, the lesson brings out that when we think about what happens after we die? We have the promise of eternal life, and several passages are brought up on Sunday afternoon. Um, of course, obviously, the most popular, John 3.16, God's love sure. of the world, you know, everlasting life. Mm -hmm. uh, eternal life and everlasting life are the repeated uh, phrases used in Scripture. Now, in the, in the light of that, the lesson actually brought out on Monday the example of somebody who, when they heard about the idea of eternal life, said, oh, what a horrible thing, that, what a horrible thought. 
to have eternal life because to them, it was just more of the miserable life they've lived here. That's true. If you don't have an appreciation of this temporal life and you're just trying to be done with it, the idea of eternal life may not be so much a promise as it is that's a curse. Right. Yeah. So that's why we're saying that eternal life, when the Bible tells us about eternal life, it's not like our life here. It's better. Yeah, it's not just long. Infinitely it's better. good. Yeah. And so uh, not that we can't have better here, and we'll see that, but I think of the passage in John 1 and verse 4, we have this in the outline where the Bible says, Jesus says, or the Bible says rather, of Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The implication is, even as living beings, we don't have that life. In him is that life. And mm. then John says later on, he who has the Son has life. A quality of life comes into us when we accept Christ. And in fact, mm. Ellen White puts this in such a powerful way um, in Desire of Ages, page 388, says, This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. Christ became one flesh with us in order that we might become one spirit with him. Now notice, it is by virtue of this union that we are to come forth from the grave, not merely as a manifestation of the power of Christ. Now pause with that and think, mm. you know, how are we coming forth from the grave in the resurrection? Well, Jesus is going to call us forth. Notice how she words this. Mm. Not merely as a manifestation of the power of, of Christ, but because through faith his life has become ours. Now we're going to have to... <laughs> I mean, if you're just reading this for the first time, it's easy to just plastic. It's like, yeah, yeah, he's going to raise from the grave, power, manifestation, union with Christ, and just these phrases. But what <laughs> she's saying right there, let's read that sentence again, yeah. is by virtue of this union, that is the union of Christ in us, right? The that hope of glory, glory yes. that we are to come forth from the grave, not merely as a manifestation of the power of Christ. Now, that's clearly it's the power of Christ is going to raise us up. That's but right. because through faith, his life has become ours so that we share in his life. That's so right. when he calls us forth, he's calling us into the life that we started here before we died. Now just to clarify, we don't become gods. No, That's no, not what no. I'm saying. But this is what Paul says when he says, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer right. live, but Christ, Christ lives, lives in, in me. me. And the life which I live, I live by faith. It's Christ's life in us. Exactly. Christ in you, the hope of glory, as you've alluded to, that this is what it's talking about. Like we, when we accept Christ, and we're going to see this in the statement, our quality of life changes then and there. Right, and so the idea of the eternal life can begin now. And yeah, you might have first death. You might experience temporal death. That's right. But that quality of eternal life can start even in this life. That's right. The light when Christ is the life of Christ is eternal by nature. Right. And so the statement goes on to say, his uh, not merely as a manifestation of the power of Christ, but because through faith his life has become ours. Those who see Christ in his true character and receive him into the heart have, present, present tense, tense. Yeah. everlasting life. The Spirit of God received into the heart by faith is the beginning of the life eternal. So even Beautiful. the new birth is the beginning of that new quality of life. Right. But that, that the essence of that life is it's eternal. And if so, you have exactly. Christ, you will live. So you can still have that first death experience and sleep in the grave, but it's only temporary because you yes. know that in Christ you will continue to live when he comes again. It's beautiful. That's right. And then our memory verse this week, I has not seen or ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Mm -hmm. that, that idea being communicated um, talks again about the quality of life. Now not just we're talking about the quality of the life of Christ being eternal, mm -hmm. but then the 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 quality of the of the life of the surroundings of heaven mm -hmm. also um, for example the lesson on Friday mm -hmm. has this quote 
Uh, why don't you read that quote there? The, it's the, the last, last one paragraph. from Friday. It's from Great Controversy 674, 675. It says, A fear of making the future inheritance seem too material has led many to spiritualize away the very truths which lead us to look upon it as our home. Like we don't even talk about heaven because it's like, well, it seems so selfish because it's, you know, it's like this. We don't want to make it too good and too yeah. real, so let's, make, <laughs> let's keep it spiritual away, but right? Christ made it good and real. Right. Christ assured his disciples that he went to prepare mansions for them in the Father's house. Those who accept the teachings of God's word will not be wholly ignorant concerning the heavenly abode. Right. Human language is inadequate to describe the reward of the righteous. It will be known only to those who behold it. No finite mind can comprehend the glory of the paradise of God. So, I know it sounds so almost silly to say, but heaven's going to be awesome. It's going to, and we should, we should not feel guilty in dwelling on the greatness of what the Lord has prepared for us. Even though we can't wrap our minds around it, we can't even see, but that's not to spiritualize it away and say it's that's so right. good that it's not real. Oh, it's absolutely real. Which is just too good for us to grasp. I know, and I know what you wanted to say. You want to say, man, in light of that, the heavenly curriculum is out of this world. <laughs> exactly. Boy, what a great talking point that would be. So the idea of eternal life being more about quality and quantity isn't saying it's not eternal, but right. that's what we dwell on. And we need to realize that it, the quality of life. Right. We often not talk about be, the length of it. Well, we, we don't talk about the breadth about, of it. Yeah. You know, growing up, you see these little cartoons of cherubs pl strumming harps on, on <laughs> clouds, and you're thinking, oh, what a miserable. I don't want to be in that for five minutes, much less for eternity. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so the quality, you've got the quality. Well, and of we life talk about this even the, like when Isaiah talks about the life to come, he describes things like. Uh, building and living in houses and planting and yeah, like real, things that tangible we, stuff. real tangible stuff. And so the, the quality of heaven is going to be Christ living with us in a life that we can't even... That's right. It's just fantastic. And in the context of that, we come to Tuesday's lesson and that quote at the very top of the page from, Desi uh, not Desire just from the book Education, page 301, mm. where Ellen White says, heaven is a school. Mm. It's field of study, the universe. Is teacher the infinite one? I mean, what do you compare that with, you know? Yeah. A branch of this school was established in Eden, and the plan of redemption accomplished, education will again be taken up in the Eden school. Mm. So back in the classroom, that, that uh, ultimate graduate school, whatever you want to call it, that the heaven is going to be a, continue, a place of continued learning. Exactly right. Incredible. Uh, and one of the things that's going to make heaven... Boy, this sounds silly to say too, but one of the things that's going to make heaven such a fantastic educational environment is because we will have access to information. We simply, like even in that quote, right? The field of study is the universe, not just, you know, where yeah. you can take a field trip to here, to the bakery or something like that, to the, and the teacher is, so the teacher is infinite. <laughs> yeah. The, the scope of study is the infinite. whole universe, right? And, you know, and I think of other scriptures that talk about how God will reveal things there yes. that he has yet to reveal to us here. That's so right. we'll have access to more information, more and, and the explanation, the interpretation of that information from God himself. So the capacity for learning is truly infinite, if you think yes. about it. Like it, it's just unimaginable scope of inquiry, and we can be satisfied by knowing more and, and living more. Well, I mean, the, the best, I guess, the closest we can come in, in part to understanding that is as adults, you know, there's certain things as a kid you just can't grasp. Yes. And you remember certain times in your life where maybe there was something you heard, but where you grasped something, and it's like you realized you just became old enough to get it. You know, like, oh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's what a, mom and dad was. Yeah. 
and how many times is that going to happen? And, and of course, we say heaven. We, and we usually say heaven because it's also going to continue in the new earth, but right. that's a thousand years later. Yeah. That to us seems like an eternity right yeah, now. Every, everything on the other side of the second coming. But how many on. times is that going to happen? It's like, oh, that's what it means. Yeah. You know, as our understanding increases. And what well, and I think even of, because you know, we're going to this next point here about how God's mysterious providences will be made plain. Like, yeah. his, his way of working, his knowledge that we didn't have access to, he's going to reveal to us. In fact, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Well, before four. you read that, I okay. mean, just, just predicate, you know, pre- pre- uh, preparing, heading into that, the, it's posed, the question is posed, or the statement is made at the top of Tuesday's lesson, right under the quote we read, that says, if you are like most people, you have a lot of questions. Questions about sin, suffering, mm-hmm. sickness, death, about why this happened, why that happened, why the other thing happened. So, well, and we oftentimes think about, like, when we see who is or isn't in the kingdom and you right. know, the citizen, like how did God determine who was going to be saved or lost and who, how is, how did it work? Yeah. You know, and again, this is where I come to this passage. As much as we have evidence in the Bible, the Bible says we see as in a mirror right. darkly. And right? we, we're told that by their fruit, we shall reflection. know them, right? But we can only see the outsides. We right. can't see the motive, the character, the decisions, right? Until then, that's... 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, the Apostle Paul speaks of this coming day when Jesus comes. He says, therefore, judge nothing before the time. Now, time That's out. Right. Clearly, the reason we can't judge now, we're told judge not, right, is not because God doesn't want us to practice judicious thinking or discernment. It's we just don't have access to all the information. Right, we can't capacity. see what he says, right? But he says, therefore, judge nothing before the time. And that time is, quote, until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. And so think about what that's saying to me is that all the things that God can see but I can't, thus he can accurately judge, and of course he's holy and righteous and I am not, but when I am sanctified and glorified and brought into his presence, and then he can safely reveal all that he has seen and bring me into those counsels and deliberations, no wonder you can start, you can appreciate and grasp God's knowledge and his his judgments because he will bring to light those hidden things exactly. where we don't have access to that now and that's that's an experience we don't dwell upon often but apparently that's going to be ours when Christ returns that's right in fact we're going to get into that a little bit deeper Thursday's lesson um, brings up the passage in Zechariah 13 mm-hmm. And I'm reading it from Thursday's lesson where it says, One shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? And he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Mm -hmm. Now, the context doesn't reveal it maybe as plainly as it could that this is really a messianic prophecy. And Ellen White makes that application uh, of this passage that these, this is a passage, in fact, she makes that in Acts of the Apostles 2.26, among other places. But this passage in Zechariah is a messianic prophecy and the question will be asked, what are the wounds in your hands? Well, when is that question going to be asked and where? And that's the question the lesson poses right underneath it. What do you think this text is talking about? Now, it's obviously talking about people who see those wounds and never heard the story mm-hmm. of how he would have gotten those wounds. And clearly the answer is being given by Christ firsthand. He's like, these are those that were given in the house that's of my right. friend. So he's the one explaining the wounds themselves. Now that reminds me of a passage, one of my favorite passages in Romans chapter 2, where the Bible speaks, the apostle speaks of those who have not known the name of Christ and yet are still saved, which sounds a little bit uh, 
little universalist, a little bit, <laughs> but but there's a valid well, biblical point here. Yeah. So, uh, looking at Romans chapter two, verse twelve, starting mm-hmm. in verse twelve, the apostle says, "For as many as have sinned without law, will also." Pay. And in the context, he's talking about the Gentiles, those who mm-hmm. didn't have law, those who have the knowledge of God. For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law, for not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law, or the knowledge of God for that matter, by nature do the things in the law, let's just be clear, the law is spiritual. No human being, fallen Mm -hmm. human being by nature does the things in the law unless their nature has been changed. Right. And so, and so it's clearly the spirit of the Lord is working on their that's hearts. That's right. right. So they're Gentiles. They don't have the law, but by nature they do the things in the law. These, although not having the law, are law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts. Well, who mm-hmm. does that? That's got to be the, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. Notice the context. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, the day you were just talking about. That's right. So here it's saying that there are people who never even knew the name of Christ. They're going to learn it in the kingdom of God. And in case you think I'm off my rocker here, Ellen White says just so much in Desire of Ages 638. Why don't you read that for us? Among the heathen are those who worship God ignorantly those to whom the light is never brought by human instrumentality, yet they will not perish. Though ignorant of the written law of God, they have heard his voice speaking to them in nature and have done the things that the law required. Their works are evidence that the Holy Spirit has touched their hearts, and they are recognized as the children of God. So you are going to have people in in that heavenly curriculum... Yes. being taught by Christ that are going to be learning about Jesus for the very first time. Like oh. they're there, they're saved by the grace of God, and they're going to be learning how and How did and I get here and, and tell me, and he's like, well, let's take a walk. That's right. Incredible. And then just adding to that, um, there's a couple statements that I couldn't decide between them where mm-hmm. we're told in essence that, again, the question that was asked, or the statement rather that was made is, if you're like most people, you have lots of questions and that's what we, Questions about sin and suffering. Mm-hmm. Ellen White tells us that Jesus himself is going to explain to us the great controversy. I guess that's kind of a given, but just to read it, and I'm going to share this. In fact, I'll read uh, the first one. You can read the next one. Okay. Um, the first statement is found in Testimonies, Volume 8, page 254. And notice the similarity, even in the statements about where he's going to do this. It says, soon we shall be in our promised home. There Jesus will lead us beside the living stream flowing from the throne of God and will explain to us the dark providences through which on this earth he brought us in order to perfect our characters. There we shall behold with undimmed vision the beauties of Eden restored. Now in this Mm. context, she's speaking very personally, not so much of the controversy as a whole, but those dark providences in our own lives that we couldn't understand, mm. and why did that happen, and why did it happen this way, and why didn't this person die, and why didn't I ever get that job opportunity, mm. why, why did that job opportunity fall through, or whatever, he'll explain to us, Jesus will explain to us all those things he did, what he brought us through in order to perfect our characters. Mm. It reminds me of the statement, and I, I'm going to paraphrase it, of course, but when, you know, why did the Lord allow John the Baptist Yes. Right, and she says that in the in the final analysis, we will not choose to be led in otherwise than Christ did lead us if we yes. could see the end from That's the beginning, right. and that someday he's going to say, like, look, 
let me tell you the story. Here's how it worked out. And that's, I think this is speaking. That's right. That. And so here's where the options are. Which way would you have chosen? Oh, well, knowing that, Lord, I yeah, guess I would have chosen. This leads to his, like, yeah, I was trying to take you there the whole time. Well, it's just awesome. like this one from uh, volume nine of the Testimonies, page 193. Christ will lead his redeemed ones beside the river of life. So and you will... notice the setting there, like the first one is beside the stream, throwing from the flowing to the Right, river. and this is soon. So this is like, this is not a nebulous, like there's going to be a time and a place and he's going to be there by the, and this is where he's going to be teaching right. us. Like it's It's beautiful, yeah. Again, Christ will lead his redeemed ones beside the river of life and will explain to them all that perplexed them in this world. The mysteries of grace will unfold before them. Where their finite minds discerned only confusion and broken purposes, they will see the most perfect and beautiful harmony. Mm. Fantastic. Just let this sink in for a minute. That is a powerful promise that God's going to walk with us. He's going to talk with us. He's going to review the things. That's that if, right. He's like, remember that bugged you? Yes. Let me show you behind the scenes the rest of the story. And you'll see, and, and you'll see like, uh, it was perfect. What you were doing was just wrong. Well, sometimes we get this idea like, you know, in Christian, well, you have questions and God just keeps certain things from us and it's always going to be that way. No, it's not always going to be that way. Mm. There is coming a time and he's just saying, be patient and there will yeah. come a time and I'll make all that plain. I can't do it yet, but I will. And of course, there are things he makes plain. He gives us enough evidence, sure. but he's going to make it all plain. Well, and, and you think about incredible. it, here he does make some things plain, but we have to wait till then. Then he's going to reveal the secrets of the hidden things. Yeah. Great. But even beyond that, there's still going to be stuff. He's like, there's still more. So it's not, there is this eternal um, expanding of our appreciation of God mm. and a depth of his I want to tell you, it's, it's incredible. that heavenly curriculum's out of this world. <laughs> well, okay. let's springboard down to the third one. We got to go finish this okay, up Okay, so we're not there yet, right? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm saying. Oh, good. <laughs> We are not there yet. We're not no, in we're this not. perfect world where Jesus has explained everything. No, and everything. we're not. So right now, God's going to finish what he started. That's our third point. Mm. Right now, we have to walk by faith. We have to hold on to hope and, and what yes. have you. And in fact, um, the top of the page, Wednesday's page, uh, what a powerful passage. 2 Corinthians four seventeen to 19 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So this is a one of those texts that speaks to us having hope in, in the future. What we don't see yet, but look, whatever we're going through, it's working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. That's talking about character. Well, it's, it's interesting. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. It's yeah. like, well, for some of us, it's a whole lifetime. But, <laughs> you know, remember... That dot and line. Exactly. Ed Reed talked <laughs> about that if eternity is a line and our whole life is summed up in a dot, <laughs> I mean, we, we just... Sometimes I, t I have a message that I like to present called We All Die Young, that yeah. from heaven's perspective, even Methuselah, yeah. Right, almost a thousand years, just but a kid. exactly, and, and and from the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. He didn't even make it to one day of eternity's time. Right. So when Paul writes with the eternal perspective, he can look at shipwrecks and beatings and scourgings <laughs> and abandonments. He's like, light that's affliction. light affliction, just for a moment. You know, when he has that beatings heaven, and being left for dead. Yeah, what are you gonna yeah. do? Yeah, it's gonna happen. <laughs> so everything for right. him was summed up in that eternal perspective. Well, and it's true, that eternal perspective makes what could be heavy affliction seem lighter. Right. Because it's going to pass. It will. And then it will be, as Ellen White 
is often quoted in the book Early Writings, heaven is cheap enough. Mm. Wow, this didn't cost us anything. When we think of all the heavy costs now. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 13, the lesson brings this up, 12 and 13. It actually brings it up on Tuesday's lesson, but uh, 1 Corinthians 13, um, in fact, it just goes to verse 12, but I want to read 12 and 13. It says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, that time is coming. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. So there's more to come, and we're going to understand more, and we've talked about that. Now notice verse 13. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now I, I've, 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 I can't tell you how many things I've heard that quoted in, and the greatest <laughs> of these is love. And yet, But understanding Paul's context, the reason the greatest is love isn't because, well, love is just so good. Love is the only substantive thing he's talking about. Faith is something that reaches forward. Hope is something we reach for. But love is the essence of something. And the point Paul's making is faith and hope are now, but faith and hope won't be forever. Mm-hmm. The same apostle makes the point in Romans 8, 24. Why does one hope for what he sees? Mm-hmm. We don't see heaven now. We don't see the reward of the redeemed. But when we're but in we heaven, will, we won't need the hope of heaven. We'll we have the reality of heaven. That's right. Yeah. We won't need faith in what's to come. We'll be we're there. The yeah. faith will be realized. Uh, I mentioned to you as we prepared that I think of, it used to bug me in the, I couldn't figure this out, like sweet hour of prayer. The song, sweet hour of prayer. The last line says, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. Like we're kissing it goodbye. Are we going (laughs) to stop praying? Yes. You won't need to pray. You'll talk to God face to face. And Mm -hmm. that's the point with all of this is in this whole process and this future of education was telling us is we look now forward in hope that all these promises are real. And there's coming a time when um, faith and hope will cease as the need for them ceases. Mm. And, And... And, you know, death will be swallowed up in victory and we will be there in the presence of God and the kingdom of God Mm. in that in that actually starting where God intended us to start with the creation of man and then going on from there. Incredible. Incredible. There's a great quote. In fact, you want to read that quote on Wednesday's lesson. uh, This is taken from Education, page 303. Listen to the power of this. There, when the veil that darkens our vision shall be removed, and our eyes shall behold the world of beauty of which we now catch glimpses through the microscope. When we look on the glories of the heavens now scanned afar through the telescope, when the blight of sin removed, the whole earth shall appear in the beauty of the Lord our God. What a field will be open to our study. Now, can you hold on a minute? You're thinking about, like, get what she's saying here. We see through the telescope, and then it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go there. Yeah. Like, there's that planet. I'm right. going to go there, and we'll be able to travel it. It won't be light years. Like, I'm going to spend the next however many years because it travels so slow. In the blink of an eye, yes. to study firsthand. Well, and she's talking about the microscope, the smallest yeah. things, the telescope, the farthest things. Like, if we can go yeah. forward, we can go backward, we can up and go down. The whole universe is open to our exploration. Incredible. She goes on. There, the student of science may read the records of creation and discern no reminders of the law of evil. He may listen to the music of nature's voices and detect no note of wailing or undertone of sorrow. In all created things, he may trace one handwriting. In the vast universe, behold, God's name writ large. And not in earth or sea or sky, one sign of ill remaining. Mm, Incredible. It, it, It sounds almost too good to be true. But that's the power of the Word of God is that, friends, it is true. That's right. It is a reality. We shouldn't try to spiritualize it away and try to, like, anesthetize ourselves to the, to the truth of the matter when 
This is exactly what God has promised to every one of us who love him and long for his appearing. Well, you're making me think of Revelation 21, you know, when he tells all that, no more tears, God's going to mm -hmm. wipe away every tear, the former things are passed away. Uh, verse 5, Revelation 21, 5, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Amen. Like his, the implication it's is, like, no way, this isn't yeah. true. Write it you down. Almost think that, you almost picture John as like just sitting there absorbed, and he's like, no, pick up your pen, <laughs> write it down, because this is real, That's I'm right. telling you. And friends, Amen. this is exactly what God has in store for us. And as we think about education, the, the beauty of it now, but the depth of it, the grandeur of it, and the world to come, you yeah. simply don't want to miss it. That's right. uh, I want to be there. I know you do, and we want our young people. We want everyone to be there. So ah, I love Eternity, this lesson. Eternity, don't miss it for exactly, the world. That's exactly right. <laughs> but we need to close with a word of prayer today. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the promise, the assurance that there is an eternity to come and that through faith in Jesus Christ, it can begin even now. Amen. Please help us to appreciate, yes, the quantity of it, but the quality of it as well. Help us to look forward to learning those lessons from the very feet of Jesus. And until that day, Lord, help us to appreciate by faith and hope the reality of what you've promised us. Please, Lord, help us to be agents of your grace to others around us so that when Jesus, is come, when Jesus comes, not one will be missing. So, Lord, keep us faithful and useful until we see you again. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.